Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brennan Ward. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. In today's episode, Ronjor will be sitting down with Dr. Matthew Kim to discuss pastoring and cultural diversity. Dr. Kim serves on the preaching faculty at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He has authored several books, including Preaching with Cultural Intelligence and a little book for preachers, Why and How to Study Homiletics. This episode was recorded over Zoom, so the quality might be a little different from what you are used to, but this will in no way impact the quality of the conversation between these two brothers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another installment of Pastor Matters. All right, Dr. Kim, uh, it is so great to have you uh, join us here on the Pastor Matters podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great great to be with you. Yeah, now you have written what I think are some very uh, groundbreaking books uh, regarding culture and uh, preaching and with a mindset towards culture, uh, the, the differing cultures that may be represented in your church. Uh, and you've also uh, spoken about preaching from uh, an Asian American context as well. Uh, before we jump into um, uh, to any you know, real uh, kind of deep conversation, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your writing, a little bit about the books and, and kind of what motivated them. The genesis of the, the book on preaching with cultural intelligence uh, really came out of my own experience as a person of Korean background, born in the born and raised in the United States, but sensing that there wasn't much of a pulpit integration of what it meant to be bicultural, uh, being a person who's uh, ethnically Korean but culturally American as well as Korean, uh, it can be very complicated. So, uh, growing up in the Korean immigrant church, I I often heard sermons that were uh, from people who are like myself, trained in Western seminaries. And what they had done is basically adopted a white European model of preaching without any real understanding of the culture of of the people. And so in preaching with cultural intelligence, I wanted to have preachers think about what does it look like to preach to people who are of of a different race or ethnicity, gender, someone who is living, living in a different social location, someone who has a different denominational affiliation, and then also thinking about world religions. Um, How do we preach to people of different backgrounds? And so culture is something that's deep in my heart as someone who is bicultural, always thinking about these things. And so that's where I came out of. All right, cool, cool. How, you know, before we we jump into any um, uh, specific application regarding culture, regarding uh, ethnicity, things like that, it may be good for us to define some terms. So what do you mean when you say culture? And what do you mean when you say ethnicity? Yeah, those two terms are often uh, used synonymously and interchangeably, uh, but there are some nuances and differences that we need to recognize. Uh, I think that the best way for me to explain the difference between culture and ethnicity is uh, just going through my own life journey. So ethnically, I am, uh, in terms of DNA, I am Korean. My parents immigrated from Korea. And so I espouse, I I hold a a Korean ethnic identity. At the same time, being born and raised in the United States, I have a different culture. 
and the culture is the shared way of life that uh, we all experience when we live in a particular nation or country or area. And so for me, ethnic ethnicity comes from the Greek word ethnos, people group, but thinking through not just your DNA, but then culture brings us into a shared way of living. So while you can have an ethnic culture, there's no real culture ethnic. <laughs> culture is defined by who we live around, our community, uh, our city, our, our state, our, our nation, our people, uh, where we share a common uh, lifestyle, common way of thinking, common history, uh, common cultural background, language. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So would you consider culture uh, to be a static thing, uh, or would you consider, consider it a dynamic thing? Well, I think there are some elements of culture that are more static. There are histories uh, of, of a local uh, city or a town that don't change very much. But then in general, I would say culture is always evolving. It, it is fluid, uh, as some scholars have said. Uh, it's something that's always evolving, changing, expanding, um, pivoting, whatever, whatever uh, word you want to use there. And so uh, as we think about culture, I think the best way to think of it is as being more fluid. And yet in certain pockets and certain times and, and places, uh, there is some uh, st uh, staticity, if you want to use that word, uh, where it doesn't change for a, for a long period of time, but it may, uh, may, may, may change for a short period of time and, and vice versa. So, um, but in general, I would say it's definitely more fluid. Okay, so, so if it is more fluid, I'm sure there's a pastor, there's a preacher uh, that would hear this and say, well, then why in the world would I waste my time trying to learn it? Uh, if, it if it's going to change tomorrow, uh, then why don't I just focus on the static and, and let the fluid just, you know, continue to uh, just continue to go. Hmm. I guess it depends on what you, what type of culture you're referring to. Um, if you're talking about the culture of being in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina uh, versus uh, a suburb of Boston, uh, even, even within Wake Forest, it's always changing. Uh, the pastors in your area are constantly thinking about, you know, various topics that have come up in recent days uh, regarding politics or uh, race and ethnicity, uh, regarding sexuality. There's so many different topics that are constantly changing. Um, so I don't think we can define it in simple terms. If, if you're thinking specifically about culture being ethnicity, that's a different question. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it there and you can keep going. <laughs> good, good. So, so uh, in, in other words, and if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, there are certain things that, that change in culture that you just can't avoid. You know, you, you have to, to speak into these things uh, and you have to address these things. Um, and, and perhaps especially as a pastor, uh, if you're going to shepherd people in a place <laughs> and you're going to shepherd them in a space and in a time, then you have to navigate, as you said, the fluidity. You got to navigate the waters uh, pretty well uh, to, to help your people uh, gain wisdom and, and walk with wisdom uh, in these times. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I don't think there's a pastor who would deny that. And they're, they're going through the challenges of that. And so it's a, I really want to appreciate you pastors out there. Uh, you're going through a real tough season. And uh, I don't know all the challenges that you're going through, but I just want to encourage you uh, to not give up, to keep focusing on Christ and the gospel, and 
you know, as much as it's easy for me to say that uh, not being in full-time ministry right now, uh, I do as a parishioner, I want to thank you. So keep going. You're doing great. Amen. Amen. Now, why, why should pastors recognize diversity in the church? Uh, why not focus on the unity? Uh, uh, you know, why, why recognize, uh, as you said, you know, um, uh, uh, the, uh, Korean population in the church or an African-American population in the church or, you know, Scandinavian or so on, you know, why, why not say, Hey, we're all one in Christ and just kind of flatten it out. Uh, why, why talk about diversity? Yeah, that's a great question. And I wish I, I wish I had the the magic answer. <laughs> uh, I do I do think Scripture talks about uh, the importance of us being one in Christ. Uh, thinking of passages uh, where Jesus prayed uh, for our unity in, in John seventeen, uh, I think of uh, passages like Ephesians four, uh, where Paul encourages the Ephesians to to be uh, united in Christ, and and that we aren't to be divided by baptism or other things. Uh, and as we think about uh, ethnicity and race, I think uh, the biggest challenge and hurdle for us as pastors is time. And it takes a lot of time to get to know other people. It takes a, a lot of time to get to know people of different backgrounds and cultures, uh, even, even language differences. And so it seems like a, a waste of time uh, uh, because the gospel is so central, but we can't preach the gospel or minister the gospel to people unless we know them. And that's one of the challenges to be able to share the gospel and then live it out with people. And if, if we're going to take that time, uh, it's going to take significant amounts of in, intentionality and energy uh, to be able to pursue that. And so it does seem like uh, I could do many other things with my time. But uh, if you do have people who are of a different ethnic group or race in your church, uh, they're going to feel like uh, they're on the margins. And I know Jesus spoke a lot to people who were on the margins, and he, he loved them and he cared for them. And so I think of uh, the, the illustration that Jesus gave us of uh, going after the one when you have the 99, and let's take that in a different way, not just salvation, uh, but in terms of ethnicity. Uh, you, you may have 99% of people being of one ethnic group, but have you ever put yourself in the mindset of the other person who's on the, on the outskirts? Have you ever thought about what it meant to be for the, the courage it took for them to come to your church, first of all? And then once they're there, what would it be like to be them uh, being a minority, whatever minority means? It could be racial, ethnic, it could be whatever uh, type of difference. And thinking through how is it in their experience being a Christian in my church? What do they go through? Are they ignored? Are they marginalized? Uh, do people give them dirty looks? Uh, we, we don't know until we ask, until we stop to think about them. And that all, as embodied human beings, we can't escape the fact that we are of a particular ethnic group or race. And as pastors, as people who are to love all of the flock, I, I really believe that it's something that's worth pursuing. Mm, that's good. You know, I was thinking when you were, um, when you were saying this, that uh, it, it, it reminds me a lot about uh, the the specific uh, mentioning of diversity in scripture. Uh, so for instance, why in Acts, uh, Acts 8, why does it mention that Philip went to an Ethiopian eunuch? Uh, why, why not just say he met a eunuch 
uh, why say Ethiopian, you know, or in Acts 6, why uh, does it mention that the Hellenistic widows uh, were the ones that were, that, that felt like they were being mistreated or they weren't getting equal treatment? Uh, you know, why, why do you say that? Um, why the mention in Luke 7 of the centurion who had a servant? Uh, you know, why the mention of that? You know, um, why the mention in Luke 8, uh, right at the beginning, uh, right after uh, the, the scene where Jesus heals the sinful woman, uh, you know, whoever is, uh, is forgiven much, loves much in there. And then in Luke 8, it begins with this list of women who followed Jesus. Why? You know, why, why do you mention that? Why not just generalize it and say, hey, some guy met Philip. <laughs> Philip met a guy <laughs> who was reading Isaiah 53 and, um, and so on. Or, hey, people followed Jesus. You know, why the emphasis on, there were women who followed Jesus. Uh, an Ethiopian guy uh, came to faith in Christ and Philip baptized them and so on. Why the mention of all of this, except that this diversity matters to God. Uh, he cares about this. Uh, he created it. <laughs> this, is, this is a part of, his, of, of the world that he created. And, and, and this is a part of his mission, of course, to bring uh, men and women, boys and girls from all peoples, all nations, all languages, uh, uh, both you know, genders and so on, to the sun. Uh, and so when uh, that's happening, God is eager to highlight that <laughs> because, uh, because this is his way of saying, hey, the mission is being accomplished uh, and, and it's going forth right here before our eyes. And so I think for us today, we need to enjoy that and celebrate that as well. Uh, it is a remarkable thing, especially in, in our culture where there's so many fractions and, and, um, and factions and, and divisions and so on. When we can gather in a place and, and we have folks from, you know, from different languages, you know, who speak different languages. We have folks who, you know, some are first gen American, uh, you know, some are, you know, have migrated here from other countries. You have uh, folks who, uh, you know, if they were to step out, I, I know there are several churches where their neighborhoods are like this. If they were to step out of the doors of their church, uh, they, they're in a totally different world. Uh, you know, they are, using your language, they are the other. You know, they are the different. And, and they will be mistreated for that. But they walk into the church and they're loved. Uh, they're loved as brothers and sisters, and uh, yeah, there, there's something about that that we should look at and say, this is the glory of God on display. Uh, the mission is being accomplished, you know, not just in the New Testament, but the mission is being accomplished right here before our eyes in 2021. Uh, and so, yeah, I think for pastors and preachers, this should be something to celebrate, uh, not something to bemoan. Yeah, absolutely. Great observations. That's wonderful. So, so how can a preacher do this well? <laughs> because uh, I know you've seen it. I know I've seen it uh, before uh, where you have the guy who's trying and praise God, he's trying. Um, but boy, he's, he's not doing a good job. <laughs> and so uh, we've, we've seen it before, you know, the, um, the guys who say, well, I want to reach, you know, I want to let 
uh, say, you know, African-Americans know that that we care about them. And so, you know, I'm going to include a rap in my sermon, you know, or, or something like that. And we're just like, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this okay um but there are i mean when you think about it there there are stereotypes there are uh, there are plenty of, of 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 pits and mines you know in 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 this uh uh on this journey if you will how how do you do this well how do you do this without being even more offensive yeah i, I think of uh, a scenario where the pastor where I, where I attended a church uh, overseas when I was doing uh, my graduate work and my wife and I entered the church and we were literally ushered into what I called Asian row. And what I mean by that is the usher would take my wife and me and basically put me in a row of all people who look like me who are Asian. Uh, and it just was a clear demonstration of you are different and we're going to put you in your own little row. Uh, I don't. I don't think the person meant to be hurtful, but maybe the person wanted. I want, I want to think the best of that person and say maybe the person wanted me to feel comfortable. Uh, at the same time, there are good ways, and as you said, Ranjur, uh, good ways and bad ways to approach this. We're all going to make mistakes. I think the fear of making mistakes is what causes us not to try, and I think that's one of the biggest uh, impediments to bringing uh, unity among diversity. And if we're not afraid to try, then how can we do it also not to be offensive? Uh, that can also be challenging, but I think if I were a minority, I, I would rather have someone make a mistake and try than not try at all. And that's maybe my personality. Some people may disagree with that, but as someone who has gone through the rigors of being marginalized and, and, and treated differently for the way I look, I would love to have a pastor simply just come alongside and, and make the effort. And if the, the pastor makes a mistake, I'm okay with that because that person made the intentional, uh, made an intentional choice to try to befriend me, someone who is different from him. So the best ways I've seen it, uh, there, there are a couple of things I might suggest. One thing would be to celebrate people who are of different ethnicities and races, not just publicly, meaning you know, have people you know, affirm them through worship songs or things like that. But thinking through, uh, in my preaching, uh, I oftentimes think through who are the people who are going to be there. And I might make a little table and, you know, people use the, the analogy of a grid or, or a table. Who are the people sitting around the table? And I might think of all the different minority groups in my church and sit them around the, my imaginary preaching table and think through, what is that person going through right now? And I know that person may not be of my demographic but how would I best illustrate this sermon for them? How might I best apply the word of God in this passage for them? Um, another way might be to think about using uh, people of different ethnic ethnicities and backgrounds as the hero of the story rather than the help of the story. And oftentimes, uh, if I can be so blunt, a lot of times uh, when I've been in majority spaces uh, of white culture, uh, the, the hero is oftentimes a, a white male uh, or even a white female. Uh, but when is the hero of the story a marginalized person, someone who's a minority? And I think that's why the, the story of the Samaritan woman was so powerful, uh, as well as the uh, story of the Good Samaritan, uh, that the, the least uh, appreciated person in the society for Jesus was the most excellent person. Uh, and so uh, I think we can take that model of what Christ has done for us uh, and elevate people. Um, it's, it's even through um, just simple words of affirmation and appreciation. And, and 
we want to be careful. Uh, we don't want to always make the marginalized feel like they're being highlighted or put the spotlight on them. But at the same time, once in a while, I think it'd be great for pastors just to simply acknowledge uh, uh, everybody, but at the same time, uh, remember that there are people who are different and focusing an illustration or two or an application specifically for them. Uh, that would, uh, as a person in the pew, that would make my day. That's really good. That's really good. Thank you. How can a pastor shepherd through conflicts and and clashes? Uh, think think about well, I mean, just even most recently, uh, you know, twenty twenty kind of opened up all kinds of wounds um, uh, in in several churches, uh, and in many ways across these lines, you have folks who are coming together. Uh, they they are coming across you know, differences and so on, folks that are in different economic situations, folks who are obviously of different ethnicities uh, um, and so forth. And it just seems like last year took a lot of the seam work, you know, the patchwork, you know, that uh, I honestly believe the Lord was doing, you know, and bringing us together and just ripped it right across the seam. Uh, you know, in, in many, many different ways. Uh, how does a pastor work to keep that unity, uh, you know, and to maintain that, uh, as a feature will say, to maintain the, uh, the bond of the spirit or the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? You know, how, how does a pastor do that, especially in a situation where there's so many uh, uh, diverse peoples uh, represented there? Yeah, I think sometimes we can be so consumed with uh, diversity that we forget the unity. And so one thing that you want to do is, I, I think you want to do both. You want to try to preserve unity, uh, the, the shared doctrines, uh, and the most important teachings of, of Scripture and the gospel, keep that core, and yet unite around those things and acknowledge that there is diversity and not be afraid to talk about what makes us different. I think sometimes we're so focused on unity or wanting to be unified, but you can't be unified until you actually work out the human differences that we do experience. And uh, when we talk about difference, we're often talk, talking about feelings of hurt, feelings of frustration, anger, uh, even outrage, uh, some of the emotional things that are, are attached to being a person who is different from the majority culture, whatever the majority culture looks like in your church. And so for me, I, I think that it goes beyond simply having someone of a different race or ethnicity leading worship, uh, being, being someone, you know, having diverse faces up there. Uh, difference really gets at the core in terms of uh, our, our beliefs, our values, uh, our worldview, uh, our cultural perspective. And so when we do have differences, I think the, the pastor who is wise would be to focus on our core commonality in Christ and emphasize that and say, this is where we're the same. Uh, but then also not negate the fact that there are differences. And when there are differences, that's where I went back. I want to go back to what, what we talked about earlier is that we need to take the time to, to talk about how are we different than what is your view? What is your experience? And, and, be sad with people, to lament, as, as many people have used the language of lament and, and the Psalms of lament, uh, talking through human experiences that are painful and raw and full of emotion, and to sit with those people and, and let them share. 
no, how do you really feel about this? What, what's going on in your heart? Uh, don't, don't close yourself off. I want to listen to you. And when we take a posture of listening, and, and when I say listen, this is not just five minutes. <laughs> you might have to sit there for hours and days and, and keep doing that week after week. But until the person who has been hurt is able to verbalize and share their raw and painful experiences with the, the pastor and leadership, it's not going to be a quick fix. And so when we're talking about ministry and conflict within diversity, that requires prayer and crying and weeping and mourning and lamenting with people. Uh, so it will not be an easy journey. But because we are, uh, as you said, Ranjur, uh, unified in Christ, and, and this is the pleasure of God that diverse peoples worship him uh, and, and do ministry together for the sake of Christ, uh, it's worth it. And so that, that would be my push and encouragement would be for pastors to take the time and give uh, people the space. To, and as, you know, even, even those who are of the majority culture, let them share their experiences and, and how they're feeling, feeling too. And, and pray it out and, and really work it out together. Uh, it's going to take time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. I, I think about how many times uh, Paul uh, tells Timothy in particular uh, to be patient <laughs> and to endure, you know, this, this language of endurance and patience and so on says, this isn't going to be a quick fix. Um, it's going to take some time. It's going to, it's going to, in many uh, moments feel like a struggle uh, and, and you keep at it <laughs> and you don't quit and uh, you continue to, uh, to keep your eyes fixed on Christ uh, and, and, and keep your heart um, uh, you know, tender uh, to his people. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it may be a long time. It may not, you may not see it in your lifetime. However, uh, it's worth the, the struggle and it's worth the endurance. Um, one, one more question. I'm sure we've got some folks who are listening to this uh, who say, all this talk about diversity really doesn't apply to me. I, I live in an area where uh, there are are no other people <laughs> in, in our area. Uh, um, my church is all one ethnicity. My church is all one culture. Uh, and, it, and it may not be all white. It may be an all white church. It may be an all black church, uh, say all Korean church, uh, you know, uh, Hispanic, you know, so on. You know, it, we, we don't have any, anyone else <laughs> over here. Um, should that pastor still uh, uh, communicate and, and celebrate diversity? And if so, how does he do it when that diversity just isn't represented? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think of manufacturing diversity for the sake of diversity, and that's not what we want to do. And, uh, and yet recognizing that we are a global church. So even if our church is homogenous and we don't have much representation of different diverse uh, cultures, uh, we are living in a global world. And so uh, when we lose sight of the fact that uh, we are called to be missionaries, uh, we are called to support global missions and to go, uh, and not just be senders, but also to go, uh, we are bringing uh, a kingdom mindset to the church uh, that is necessary. So uh, I would say, uh, even if your church is 99.9% .9 one uh, ethnic group or race, uh, 
we want to have a kingdom value of, of loving and appreciating all diverse peoples uh, and praying for the, for the nations. Maybe going through a, a book like Operation World and giving people a heart for the world and, and God's heart for the nations, uh, even if, you're, if your church is homogenous, that would be one way to, to really have a shared vision for our local church, even though it's not diverse, to having a, a, a heart for all people groups. Um, and also, um, even if your town is not diverse, maybe you might do a short-term mission trip in your, in your state where there is diverse peoples. So uh, I, I don't think that um, having a, a homogenous church is a limitation. Uh, it, it really could be an opportunity for you to, to have a heart for all people, and you model that as the leader of the church and bringing people to an awareness uh, that they didn't have before. That is good encouragement. That's good encouragement. If I could ask one last thing, how how would you encourage our listeners, our pastors uh, who are hearing this and uh, you know maybe there's some who are a bit uh, battle weary, if you will, uh, they they're wondering if this is worth it, if it's if it's worth the uh, the trouble. Um, uh, how would you encourage them to to keep on going and press on? Yeah. Pastors are, are giving up and discouraged uh, in, in many pockets of, of our nation and world. And I, I, again, I can't imagine all that you're going through. And, and yet I want to encourage you, especially for those who are in pastoral ministry. Uh, we, we didn't sign up for this as a, as a short-term call. I, I don't think you invested in a seminary education uh, or uh, felt called to ministry just for two or three years uh, we, we were called for the, the, the long term, uh, for, for an entire lifetime. And so uh, I would say, if you can remind yourself daily that I don't do this simply for a worldly acclaim or, or a personal satisfaction, I do this for, the, for, for Christ and the kingdom and for, for my Abba Father uh, and the Holy Spirit who leads me uh, each step of the way. Uh, there are so many passages in scripture where Jesus confirms that he's always with us. You know, think of Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise. Uh, and so you're not doing ministry alone. If you're doing ministry alone, then please give up. <laughs> uh, it's not worth it. And you're not going to be able to keep going. But when you are in step with the Spirit, when you're, uh, you're, your mind is always on Christ, um, you think of passages like uh, Philippians 4, where he's reminding the believers to always look at uh, the, the things that are lovely and true uh, and, and focus your um, attention and, and ministry focus on Christ, not for the, the applause of men and women. Uh, then you can keep going uh, as hard as it is. And so uh, those of you who are pastors, thank you for your service. Uh, I, I pray for my pastor regularly. Uh, I know that uh, being a pastor right now is a, a real trying thing to be uh, doing with one's life and you want to give up. Uh, but remember that um, we don't do things for this uh, life. We do it for, for the eternal life and, and the life to come. And so that would be my encouragement is keep your eyes focused on Christ. Uh, don't do things for worldly uh, applause. Uh, and, and to know that uh, we, we all hope for those and long for those words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. So I, I hope we will uh, endure to the end and hear those wonderful words from our Lord. Mm. Very, very encouraging. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kim, for uh, your ministry. 
Uh, thank you uh, for uh, your encouragement to uh, pastors, not only up in New England, but but I'm sure uh, across the country and across the world as well. Uh, blessings to you as you continue to serve Christ. Thank you, Dr. Locke. Great to be with you today. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.